goes to Ablett. Oh, Justin Madden's got the sit, one hand. Oh, oh, oh. oh the post is broken, Matthew's in it. Oh, talk about a he-man. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. And welcome again, everybody. Right around Australia, I'm Rex Hunt, and we have another special guest. And it's become just folklore around the nation that when you tune in, you try and guess who I've got on today. Well, he's a little bit younger than the normal guys of 60 and 70 that I've had on the last few weeks. And it's uh, probably multicultural week in Melbourne next week that gives away a very, very good clue to this man who played 151 games for the Mighty Blues between 91 and 2002. He was a premiership player in 1995, all Australian that year, by the way, and a Victorian representative, 95 and 96, and... His best mate, Anthony Kutafitamides. Folks, have you got it? Well, you should have. It's Ange Christo. Great to speak to you, Ange. G'day. How are you, Rex? <laughs> well, I'm really good, and uh, it's just a great celebration of uh, where you came from, that you're one of our stars, if this is your football life. Uh, tell us how, how your parents came to Australia and how you, as a young kid, grew to love our great game, Ange. Well, they came on the Patrice many, many decades ago in the 60s. Goodness uh, me. Yeah, did it tough with probably two suitcases and themselves. And uh, surely enough, after 72, here I was born. What a year that was. And uh, 10 years later, we'll, um, we'll fast forward playing under 10s. So it was pretty much uh, in uh, 82, I I kicked the footy and um, played for East Brunswick with uh, Mill Hannah, but Mill Hannah was a little older than I was. But mum and dad, they didn't like the game. They weren't into the game at all whatsoever. Um, in fact, they feared for my life and limbs as a 10, 12 and 13 year old, so I had to actually give it up. And then, uh, so I uh, in turn played basketball, which kind of helped me in good stead for, for footy for, for a little later on. And come uh, 17, when I was, I think it was the last year of high school, doing VCE, um, I picked up the footy again. And lo and behold, you know, Chris Heverin, I'm not too sure if you remember Chris Heverin, who was the under-19s, uh, I think he was a scout then. He uh, came and saw a game and they invited me to play for the under-19s. And from there, obviously, you know, the rest is history. You're not allowed, Anne, to talk about uh, races because you'll be a racist these days. But when you were a kid, you were a Greek and you were a WAP or a WOG and the Italians were Dagos and uh, you have a better expression for it. Well, I thought I was called the Western Oriental Gentleman, <laughs> uh, Rex. But uh, look, uh, many different ethnic backgrounds uh, from uh, Carlton, Carlton days. I mean, you had the Barassis, Corcomulus's, you know, Sergio's, Dorich, yeah. Hannah's, Pooters. Look, there was no racial tension there was definitely banter, but no racial tension. And, you know, we're all there for a fighting cause, and that was yeah. to win and that... to do our ethnic heritage proud. Exactly. Ange Christie was our special guest today on This Is Your Football Life. He's a star. There's no doubt about it, because only stars get on my program. <laughs> uh, when did the big blokes come hunting, Joe? When, uh, you know, Mum said no more football, and she kept on putting these trophies on the mantelpiece, uh, how, many, how many clubs came knocking on your door? And tell us how you ended up at Carlton. It was uh, my last year at uh, high school. I played for a, uh, a junior club by the name of Carl the Carlton Juniors. Had nothing to do with Carlton. Um, guy by the name of Ernie Sims, uh, who's still around, is a gentleman. He's um, a, a community worker, and he he formed a team 
called the Carlton Junior Club, and uh, it was pretty much the guys that were off the street or you know kleptomaniacs or you know did drugs or from you know, from broken families. So I yeah. actually helped those guys. And Chris Heaven came knocking on the door, and he saw one of the one of the games that I played as a 17 year old, and he asked me to train for the under 19s. Yeah. And, I said, I, and there were six of us that, that did train, and I was probably the only one that made it. So. Yeah, it, it is an amazing thing, and you know the amount of kids that did play under 19s or seconds that don't make it. So that's uh, you know, all the more uh, you mm. know accolades to your career. Um, when was the first time you ran into Cooter? Because you become lifelong mates, but did you did you meet him in '91 when you first went to Princess Park? No, I actually met him about '98. He was he he started a lot a lot earlier than I did. He, yeah. He, he was in the scholarship sides at under 15, so they were trying to lure him at 15 years of age, and I didn't, I didn't even know, you know, when my Willie was at 17, if you know what I mean. So this this guy was already there, and uh, we, yeah, we we kind of touched base at, uh, when I was 17 or so, and yeah. you know, never looked back since. Isn't that terrific? I think when you first went to Carlton, it was David Parkin's second stint uh, with the Mighty Blues, was it? That's correct. Uh, I remember, I think, uh, I, I, yeah, I just missed out on Jez's. Uh, yeah. yeah, so mission. So then, obviously, uh, Pagan came in, and he was he, he was a uh, you know scholar. There's no doubt about it. And uh, you know the, the blokes love playing for him, but he was pretty high, pretty high tech, wasn't he? Goodness me, he had some energy. He did. Uh, look, to, to sum him up in two or three words, he was tough but fair. Yeah. So you know he was a, a technician. He was a teacher. He was a mentor. He was you know uh, a, um, a psychologist, a yeah. coach. A mate, he was everything. I can remember uh, back in 1978, uh, oh, I think I started my uh, broadcasting career with three. I was only, three. I was only six. Sorry. Well, well there you are, uh, Vladimir Perovic. Uh, I think at about, uh, oh, when did he go? He went 1980, I think. He went to Carlton, and uh, when he got the ball on the wing, the crowd would go woof. And 10 years or 11 years later, they did the same to you. So it must have been a great big pat on the back for you to inherit the woof. Yes. Uh, well. When I actually first got uh, questioned by a a, uh, a reporter after the game, it was in '93, he uh, came after the game and said, "Oh, you, you know, you played well, Ange, well done." And I said, "Oh, great." He goes, "Oh, did you hear those chant? The chant?" Yeah. Uh, and I said, "What was it?" He goes, "Woof." I said, "What am I, dog?" <laughs> he goes, "No, no, it derives through Val Perrick. And I said, "Who's that?" Yeah, who's Val <laughs> I never followed. I, never, I despised Carlton as yeah. a kid. I love Collingwood, so. Um, I said, is it is it a positive? They said, mate, you're going to be a cult hero. I said, you're kidding me. So, <laughs> I can tell you that uh, Val Perovic, Vladimir Perovic, is one of the few people who's turned up to a premiership celebration at the Hilton Hotel in a pair of thongs. Yes, yes, heard, and, I've heard uh, all about it. Yeah, yes. and he, like uh, Russell Green at uh, St Kilda, they would have been non-premiership players if they'd have continued their <laughs> career at Rabin. And right. both, you know, Green went to Hawthorne, uh, Val went to Hawth- uh, Carlton and became stars. Isn't that it about that? Um, uh, when you first went to Carlton, who were some of the real stars in their side at that particular stage? Uh, was I uh, was obviously Kernahan, um, Bradley. Madden, Hannah, all these household names, and I'm thinking, you know, with Cooter because we're like three or, you know four to five years younger. We, I yeah. thought, how the hell are we going to break into this side? Yeah. All we did was, yeah, we were really competitive, so we competed against ourselves. And there was one of your probably your favourites, the Sellers. He was a yeah, he was an coach in '95. Yeah, Mark McClure, he, Yeah. Yeah, he used to call us Wapper leaders, and he used to get Peter and I together, and you know, do extra training, you know, after after hours. And I'm thinking, oh my god, the guy's killing us, but. You know, there was a method to his madness, and yeah. um, got to thank him as well. And yeah, so these guys, you know, I kind of looked up to, but um, 
Not so much when I first started because, as I said, I, I despised Carlton. So yeah. I wasn't a bit of. I was a Carlton fan probably after '94 or '5. To yeah. be honest with you, my word, you were. Um, now you, you're really, you know, you're really known for that left half back flank. The big wharf and the 65-metre uh, kicks, well, we'll make them 60 metres, whatever it is. But I mean to say, uh, did Parkin really look forward to you, you know, attacking from that half-back line? Yeah, look, there wasn't any said players of, of, that, uh, of such. But, um, look, every time I did get the ball, I mean, I knew that I was, I was confident. I mean, it took me a couple of years to, to get the trust uh, within the club and the, and the players there. So, uh, every... Pretty much, like, I'd say 44%. There's a, there's a statistic out there that uh, shows that I, I actually kicked at the cooter 44% yeah. <laughs> of the time to him. Everyone's, like, screaming and yelling, and I'm like, well, you know, just hang on, just relax. Like, I'll just kick it to him, and he'll he'll do the rest. And, and he did. And it kind of worked for us. So, yeah. you know, I'd always look for him. And even, even if there was one or two players or ten players on him, I'd still kick to him. And, uh, of course, you started your career on the wing uh, when you first started. Uh, w- w- was that uh, comfortable for you to move to half-back or was it uh, a planned uh, a plan within Parkin's uh, idea? Now, to be honest, I actually can't remember. Like, yeah. Under-19s, I did ask Ross Henshaw, who was my coach not long ago when I saw him at a, you know, at a golf meet. Um, he said, oh, you had, you had no idea about the game. Yeah. You're kidding. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he says, he says that he moulded me and then if you ask Rod Ashman, he'll say that he moulded me and then if you ask... You know, Parkin, he moulded me. and Well, I don't really know, but I mean, I did love the wing. There was one time where I, I kicked four goals on the wing uh, yeah. against Hawthorne, you know, 93. And then I just moved to the back line. Not too sure, maybe because of my penetrating kick, I don't know. But it kind of worked well. And, um, worked, you know, we had a great synergy with, you know, the, the five others in the back line, you know, McKay, Soss, Dean, um, Sexton. Yeah, gee, a good side, yeah. weren't they? That was a good sign. And, and there was no doubt about it. Uh, you know, I know it's a bit uh, probably Geelong now, and I suppose the Adelaide Oval, and or perhaps Subiaco is uh, and Sydney is the home ground. You know, uh, areas that that are an advantage. But the Princess Park out there, I think then it was called Optus Oval. That's it correct. was like a fortress, and and you very very really rarely were beaten there. Uh, that's that's correct. I, I, from memory, I, I think we got beaten once uh, or twice whilst I was playing there, and uh, yeah, it was a fortress, and yeah, it was just one of those, it was, you know, suburbia at its best, just loved the atmosphere, the ambience, you know, the support there, it was fantastic, it was just, you, you couldn't describe it, it was just like home. Okay, Loved it. and Chris too joins us, and out of the break, we're going to continue on and just get to know a little bit more of his lifetime friendship with Anthony Kudafidis. And then we move into the real years where David Parkin introduced him to a premiership. What he thinks about the Carlton side of today and what he does now after footy. He's an absolute legend, there's no doubt about that. We'll be back after the break, folks, and realise please join us as we'll join Ange again and continue this marvellous journey at Princess Park. With thanks to Tobin Brothers, if you'd like to hear more of these interviews, an extended version is available on facebook.com forward slash Tobin Brothers Funerals, or you can follow us on Twitter at Rex Football Life. Join us after the break as we take more of the fascinating career of Ange Christou. Ange Christou is our special guest today on This Is Your Football Life, brought to you with the kindest regards of Tobin Brothers, who celebrate lives. And that's what this show's all about, celebrating the football life during Multicultural Week in Melbourne of a man who played 151 games for the Mighty Blues and was a 1995 Premiership player. He's Ange Christou. 
Uh, tell us about the lifelong friendship with Cooter. Uh, going back from the first time you met, I think you actually made your debut before the great Cooter, didn't you? Yes. Uh, look, I met him you know, back in, obviously, the late 80s, uh, playing under-19s, and uh, it was very competitive back then. Uh, you know, we had this little competition going amongst ourselves, a healthy competition, where uh, it was over a slab of beer. Who'd, who'd, make, uh, who'd debut first? And he thought he had it in the bag. I didn't think I had it in the bag, but... Um, <laughs> Again, lo and behold, after uh, a tumultuous kind of 91, you know, I broke. I was playing under-19s. We were both playing under-19s. Uh, we both played reserves. And then I cracked the last game in 91. So there's that beer, mate, that slab of beer, which I do not drink. So I had to hand it out to some, some of my Aussie friends. I think you'd have no problems getting rid of the <laughs> slab of beer at this particular stage. Uh, tell us a little bit about Parkin. Did you always get on well with Parkin? You said he was hard but fair, but... Tell us a little bit about your association with David Parkin. Um, you couldn't you couldn't get too close to the guy. Like he was he was a little intimidating. Um, again, a mastermind, um, a technician, a great coach. Uh, not only did he coach, but he also mentored, and you know he was a psychologist as well because he he knew you know your ins and outs, not only as uh, collectively but personally too. So you know I, I admire you know his. Um, you know, his enthusiasm and, um, and and his profession for the game. So, you know, an out-and-out gentleman, a class act. There's no doubt about it, too. And I think at that stage, uh, sometime during that stage, Peter Shockman, who was a runner for Ross Smith at St Kilda when I played, uh, Shocko was there, quality and intensity. And uh, he was a fantastic man from the physical education side of things. And he'll be listening to this today. My goodness gracious me, what a blast <laughs> from the past. Absolutely love Peter Shoko. He looked after me in the uh, skin fold test. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he, uh, did, so obviously uh, Parko brought him out from Deacon, is that right? Or yes, that's correct. Yeah, love, love everyone, everybody loved this guy. Loved him. So, Peter, if you're out there, hi, right, mate, let's have a coffee. He's listening, there's no doubt about that. Now, in the, you're in the best players in Carlton's qualifying and preliminary final wins in the 1993 series. Uh, I think Carlton are a little bit like Richmond, that you're not a good player until you play well in finals, and you certainly set yourself that day, or those days. Well, I, uh, the thing was, I never set myself to, to do you know, that great. I just wanted to be consistent. I wanted us to be consistent. Um, and like, you know, with the Carlton of old, you know, they say you know, you're only as good as you're... As, as well as you play in your finals, and and who's uh, better to ask than um, uh, what's his name, uh, Johnson, yeah. Wayne Johnson. So the dominator, uh, yeah, the dominator. So like you know, I, I did my bit. Um, didn't think that I'd get in the best, but uh, you know, I just wanted us all to do well. But unfortunately, you know, grand final '93, you know, we kind of bowed out. We got pounced in the first quarter. And, Break. Yeah, well, uh, the thing about it is that I think, you know, you have to lose a grand final to really appreciate what you win it. But uh, there's no doubt about that 93, you might have been a little bit underdone, perhaps. We were, we were. Come 94, we actually lost a double chance, uh, I think, to Geelong, an undermanned Geelong at Waverley and Melbourne, I'm pretty sure. And uh, then come 95, you know, uh, I was, uh, yeah, quick story. 93, when we lost, after the, straight after the game, I, I actually, I stood beside uh, Justin Madden, and um, he was crying. And I said, mate, why are you crying? He goes, this could possibly be my last year, and, you know, I don't think I'll ever go on again and yeah. play another final. He goes, why aren't you crying? I said, we're crying. I'm only 21. Mate. I'm ready to go to the Metro. I want to go to the Metro and have a couple of drinks. He goes, oh, I can't do that. I'm married. You know? <laughs> and then come 95, 
come 95, after the game, I went up to him and I said, right, because it ain't come that often, right? Yeah. I said, okay, I understand why you were crying it, but, you know, back two years ago, exactly. Now we can go for that drink. <laughs> so, but yeah. 95, you know, to just uh, re- refresh people's memories, you, you got uh, rolled again. You went out in straight sets and uh, you had plenty of in, uh, enthusiasm to make it uh, good in a couple of years' time. That's correct. 95 was a, a special year. Uh, just, you know, it was an unheard of year, apart from those two games that we uh, that we had lapses in. And people would say, you know, for whatever reason, you know, we probably lost money or we made money. But that wasn't the case. But, uh, you know, again, uh, a great synergy, you know, amongst the players. I'd say 30-odd players, did, you know, did compete throughout the year. And, and they, they thoroughly deserve, you know, the accolades and the win too. But it's not like that, unfortunately. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I suppose, a bit like Leon Davis when Collingwood drew the grand final and then won it and they gave him a medal and he said it doesn't mean anything. But I think it does because he played a very, very big part. But it was an amazing year, uh, 96, wasn't it, that, that you were undefeated as, a, as you won the 16th flag for the club and uh, from round 10, you just were never, ever going to lose it that year. No, we weren't. And then, then come the, the double chance again. Oh, and I can't remember the first game, but I remember the Brisbane game where we well, maybe, might have been West Coast and then Brisbane and we just can't bat it. We bat out. So, again, underachieved, I thought. Like, 93 could have won. 94, double chance, lost. 95, we won. 96, double chance, out. And 99, we lost. So, there's five. We've only won one. So, it's a little disappointing. Well, it is. And, and, and all, all these years down the track, although they're not all the years that, you know, a lot of us have got down the track, um, do you now see where Harry Madden was coming from? Do, do, oh. <laughs> do, do you think it would have been an empty time in your life at Carlton had you not got on that dais and got that wonderful, wonderful medal that we all cherish so much? Mate, I actually did my... I, myself, and collectively, even 94, like, we just, you know... The club, you know, it strives for success, and, and that's what Carlton's all about. Unfortunately, you know, the, the last 10 years uh, or 15 years, the Carlton hasn't been going that, that well. But um, look, if uh, you know, if, if anyone's going to get the best out of the club, uh, sorry, out of the players, it's Mickey Malthouse. So sorry, I'm sort of jumping a little forward here. Not at all. We're going to get to him yeah. in a minute. Uh, tell us about. I think uh, Jack Elliott was was the man who was at the helm when you were there. Was he Big Jack? Oh. <laughs> an amazing, an amazing, amazing character, full of charisma and, you know, just full of life, full of life. And I, and I believe that every club should have someone of that calibre un, under the helm of their footy club. There's no doubt about it, you know, that he didn't play a game of league football. I know he played a lot at the amateurs, but he was as much Carlton in those days and still is as, you know, the, the great names like Walls and Kernahan and Jezelenko. He, he, he was as big a name because... I think it's so important, and Frank Costa has mentioned this to me on air many, many times. It's so important, Ange, that you have a very, very good administration off the field, and uh, that just flows on to an on-the-field performance. Well, the, it, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, like he, he he brought in you know big major sponsors as well. I mean, uh, you know, it's not easy to do, uh, and obviously, you know, playing for a, a such prestigious club, you know, it does help, but not when you actually, you know when you're going south. So, look, he, he, he got the best out of everyone there as well, and you know, out of his support base and, you know, his uh, his sponsors. And, again, you know, speaking you know, on behalf of, of all the uh, of all the presidents, I mean, I only know of, or back then, I only knew of two or three, right? Because the others weren't as um, 
as flamboyant as he was. So, you know, you knew, like, the Indy Maguires because he was flamboyant. You knew Elliot because he was flamboyant. You knew the Smorgans, he was flamboyant. The others, I kind of didn't know. So I was just hidden under the radar a little. So I think you should got to, I think you got to have a, someone that's a little bit of an extrovert and have a bit of flamboyance about them. There's no doubt about that. Ange Christou is our special guest today on This Is Your Football Life. Um, now let's get to the, the current situation uh, at Carlton. As you said, they haven't uh, tasted success for a long time. They don't like being where they are. But where do you see the current crop of players and where do you see the club at the moment? Well, there's a batch of you know promising youngsters coming through, obviously, and uh, we've, been, we've been saying this for, for quite some time, what, 14, 15 years. I just my my question to to the club is who's going to be kicking the goals? Like, yeah, it's a great bunch of players. Who who is going to you know replace the guys that you know the last couple of years we've you know we've uh, we've missed out on you know we've we've pissed off Garlett, um, Wait, and Eddie Betts for example. These three now these guys have kicked what 120 goals. No doubt, that's a lot of goals to go out of a list, isn't it? That's right, and, and I'm just I'm just looking at the list, you know, thinking, okay, well. Is it Casbolt? Is it you know Henderson? But then Henderson might have to go in the back line. Yeah. Now who, who who's going to kick the goals? Is it Juddy? I don't know. That's my uh, the only fear. I mean, the back line's okay. It's improved. Their forward line's a little sus, and their mid's fantastic. But goals win matches, don't they? And the fact is, they you do. say to get that 120, you've got to have three blokes kick 40, or a That's couple right. of blokes kick 45 or 50, and the other bloke 20. And as you say. As Kaz Bolton, Henderson, the people to do it. It's it's a big, big ask, isn't it? You can save as many goals as you want, Ange. That's right. But I tell you what, that goals win matches. And that was one of the the, the best lines I've heard uh, with Jez. I don't know if you remember. Go out there and kick more goals in the opposition, you'll win the game. <laughs> That's exactly right. Tommy Afey used to say it. If they That's kick 19, we kick 20. So uh, it's the same in the 72 grand final against Carlton. You know, if they kick 28, kick 29, but we couldn't kick 29. <laughs> right. What do you do today? And I hope you're enjoying life. Well, tell us a little bit about what you're doing in your private life. Yeah, it's, it's actually very private. Uh, oh, all know, right then. <laughs> I'm, I'm, very, I'm very settled. You know, I have a partner uh, by my side. You know, a bit of maintenance work, you know, a bit of, bit of share work, a bit of, bit of this, bit of that, you know, helping mum out a lot. Nothing, nothing uh, Lovely. too concrete. Do, do you get to the like footy? It. Do you get to the footy at all? Uh, I occasionally, yeah, probably, you know, four times a year, five times a year. Yeah. I usually travel. I love travelling, so. What, out, travel, of, so. out of the country? You like that? Out of the Always out of the country, at least once a year, yeah. Isn't that That's lovely? Me. Well, it's really lovely to catch up with you. As I said, Tobin Brothers, uh, you know, celebrate people's lives, and uh, you've got a long way before you go to Tobin Brothers, but you're a special guest of mine, and... Uh, you and Kuda were one of the reasons I went out to Princess Park there and uh, it was just an absolute fantastic time for me on 3OW. Going on the half-back flank and here comes Kuda, hand past a woof! And away it went, it was fantastic. So Ange, thank you very much for being part of This Is Your Football Life for Tobin Brothers today. Great, thank you very much. And special thanks to you. That was Ange Christou, our special guest from the Carlton Football Club. If you'd like to hear the extended version of this interview, check out facebook.com forward slash Tobin Brothers Funerals, or you can follow us on Twitter. Listen to this, folks. How good's this? At Rex Football Life. How good is that? Now, this has been This Is Your Football Life, thanks to Tobin Brothers celebrating lives. Folks, a great performer has presence on stage. They work hard at engaging audiences. And even after the curtains fall, they leave a lasting impression. These qualities make them stand out from the rest. Tobin Brothers Funerals is a perfect example. 
after 80 years, they continue to shine. They believe funerals can be a celebration of life and always strive to be innovative and contemporary. These distinguishing qualities make Tobin Brothers Funerals the true performers they are. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. And join us next week from 7.30am on a Sunday morning on 1116 SEN.